Welcome to the Ripe Labs podcast. I'm Alan Davies, the Ripe Labs editor, and in each of these episodes, I'll be talking to people from all across the technical community about the work they do to keep the internet running. An important thing for me, it's not only to do the research and understand bias, but uh, to communicate this research to the people who actually are basing their businesses on these measurements. Users should be aware of this and take this into account. Internet measurement infrastructures are built to providers with a deeper understanding of the state of the internet. By collecting data from vantage points spread all across the world, these platforms aim at giving us a reliable, representative view of how the internet actually is. That said, Given the sheer size of the internet, none of these platforms is expansive or distributed enough that it can give us a view from everywhere. The question then is, if we can only get a partial view of the internet, just how representative is it? And what biases might creep into our understanding of things? Recently on Ripe Labs, we held a competition for best article, and the winning article was one that examined just these issues. The author of that article is Pavlos Sempezis, researcher and data scientist from the Data and Web Science Laboratory, Data Lab. I caught up with Pavlos after his talk at the RIPE 84 meeting in Berlin to learn more about bias in internet measurement infrastructures. Okay, so it would be helpful if I could uh, tell you how I started looking into bias. I was doing some uh, research work Mm -hmm. and uh, we had network data, so we knew all the network data. And then, uh, it's something that we as researchers frequently do, we wanted to look again at the data, Mm -hmm. (laughs) even if Mm -hmm. we knew the answers. So I said, okay, let's look at this data, how the RIPRIS infrastructure sees this data. And I tried to measure exactly the same thing that I already knew with RIPRIS. And I saw an error of 10%. And uh, I could not understand why there is this error. So, for example, taking like 50 measurements with my, let's say, custom measurement platform, I could have almost zero error. But uh, with RIPRIS, I had 10% error. And uh, then we dig a bit uh, deeper into this, and we found that uh, this error was different when we were considering networks from different continents. And uh, then I was starting thinking, okay, this is uh, logical because Ripris has a lot of networks and a lot of peers in Europe. Mm-hmm. So there is some bias there. And this can affect our measurements and our findings on this. Okay, so just so that we have a, a working definition as we go on, how do you actually characterize bias? So what bias really means to me is that uh, when we have a sample of measurements, some measurement data, when we measure something, we usually don't measure everything. We take a good sample and want to estimate something out of it. So if this sample is not a representative sample, then there is bias. Okay, so just to get an initial impression of the the kind of impact that bias can have, uh, looking at that 10% error you mentioned, was that a particularly big problem in terms of the research you were doing at the time? Uh, It was not that big, but uh, I mean, you could really easily go to 0% if you could measure some different networks other than those of RIPRIS. And uh, also, I don't know how it will be for people. You know, actual uh, network operators have some um, actual use cases that they really depend on them. And maybe a 10% error on something Mm -hmm. could be really bad for them. 
I can't really evaluate how yeah. important it is for them, but uh, I can measure it. I was talking to Robert in the last episode about how they had this idea with Atlas early on that they would cover, they would have a probe in every network. That was like that was the plan originally, and obviously that turns out not to be feasible. In fact, I think it was three probes in every network was the original plan. Um, so it'll always be a partial view of things. But based on what you've, what you've uncovered so far in, in doing this project, is that partial view of the internet that we have a good view? I wouldn't say it's good or bad. It's, it's a view of the internet we have. Mm -hmm. The thing is how better it could be done. So one of the things that we found out is with the number of uh, RIPE Atlas probes we have now, or with the number of uh, RIPE peers we have now, uh, we could have a much less biased view of the internet. So there is a room for improvement. In fact, we could even have zero bias. However, the, uh, the objective, the goal of the internet measurement platforms is not just to be unbiased. So for example, for RIS, RIS is biased because it is connected to IXPs. The route collector are connected to IXPs and they connect with large networks. Because large networks bring a lot of information. Okay. And this is something that is desired by RIPRIS. So there is some bias that is desired. However, it's still a bias. Users should be aware of this and take this into account. Okay, that's an interesting point. Um, because in several plots you have in the article, you show, for example, that the proportions for different network types actually covered by these platforms usually doesn't match the proportion of network types out there on the internet in the wild, as it were. Um, so some types of networks get underrepresented or overrepresented. Exactly. So, so that, that's the thing. So let's take a toy example. Yeah. That in the network there are 50% ISPs and 50% CDNs. Yes. So we would like from uh, the RIPRIS peers from, let's say, from the 500, yeah. 250 to be in ISPs and 250 to be in the ends. If yeah. we have like 100 and 400, one network type is underrepresented and the other network type is overrepresented. But then, as you say, uh, just balancing that out and, and eliminating bias uh, isn't always the, the only goal. So Greece has some other objectives as well. Yes. So maybe bringing exactly this uh, equality and equal, let's say, re representation of all type network types yeah. may not be the optimal for RIS. So what we did, because uh, I did not present uh, these results, but uh, we have also looked into it, we considered all networks that do not peer with RIPRIS. And uh, we saw what would be the benefits in terms of bias if we added one of these networks in the RIPRIS peers. Oh. Then we also considered what would be the benefits in terms of visibility. So we considered how closer uh, our um, paths would be uh, in RIS. In RIS we would like to see small paths because that would be closer to everything, let's say. Th that's an objective. That's an objective um, that it's uh, close to what RIS wants to be. Okay, so there are two objectives, how close you are to networks and how unbiased you are. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have calculated both values for all networks that are, no are not in RIPRIS and uh, we have found that there are some networks that satisfy both objectives. And that's a, an interesting point because, for example, if, let's say, you want to add some extra peers yeah. in RIPRIS, you may have multiple choices. 
and uh, all these choices may be good for your objective. Then out of these choices, you could go for the choice with a lower bias. Okay, so, so in another set of plots in the article, you look at uh, several different dimensions of bias, and you quantify bias for each platform. And actually, Ripe Atlas seems to come out on top, in that it has relatively low bias compared to the others. Uh, but maybe that's just because the other platforms have these other objectives, as you say. Yeah, um, and uh, th there is also another reason about uh, Ripe Atlas that is uh, doing uh, better. It's because it has uh, uh, much more uh, probes. Yes. So the probes of Atlas is uh, more than 11,000. Yeah. And for Ripris, Ripris uh, connects to around 500 uh, peers, AESs. So this is also a fact when we consider the bias from the entire infrastructure. Mm. However, the, there is um, a thing here. When you use Ripris, uh, it's passive measurements, so you get all the data. You can easily get all the data. You don't have to do anything. Okay. But if you use Ripe Atlas, you have to do active measurements. So mm. you cannot use all 11,000 probes, or you can use, but you have some credit limits, some rate limits, etc. So for a, m a more fair, let's say, comparison, it would be to compare um, measurements with uh, a few RIPE Atlas probes. So when we take into account the number of RIPE Atlas probes we use, the bias of RIPE Atlas increases. So it's worse than what you have seen in the plots. However, it's still better than RIPRIS. Ah, okay, so even when you kind of, what's the term, normalize the results in that way, or like um, whatever the property Yeah, so if we take like, for example, if we take 100 probes, randomly, if we select mm -hmm. 100 probes, then the bias will be higher than if we take into account all the probes in RIPE Atlas. However, this bias is still lower than RIPE RIS. And maybe another uh, useful thing to talk about here is how much choice the user actually has when they set up their measurements. Uh, so when I was talking to Robert uh, about Ripe Atlas a couple of episodes ago, he pointed out that you can reduce bias, at least to some extent, uh, by being very selective in the way that you set up your Atlas measurements. But is that really enough to, to mitigate the problem? Uh, Robert is an expert guy on this domain, so mm -hmm. you should uh, trust his intuition. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what he said that uh, with Ripe Atlas, if we carefully select probes, mm -hmm. uh, we can decrease bias. And in fact, we did some uh, experiments, some calculations, uh, in fact, and we saw that uh, we could uh, bring bias uh, 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 down to zero by carefully selecting RIPE Atlas probes. Okay. And um, we have uh, some algorithms that try to select RIPE Atlas probes, and, uh, but we are still working on it. I mean, um, the, the results we have seen are promising and they mm -hmm. work. Uh, and uh, we will probably soon uh, write an article about this or give some tools cool. to network operators that could help them select probes in order to be less biased. Or, in a, yeah, if Ripe Atlas wants to <laughs> uh, check our algorithms, uh, Ripe Atlas could uh, incorporate some parts of our algorithms in the Ripe Atlas probe selection yeah. process. Or it could just give some uh, hints to network operators that if you want to select this probe, this is very dissimilar with that probe. So with Ripe uh, Atlas, you can carefully select probes mm -hmm. and uh, decrease a lot bias. Uh, but the same thing can also happen with Ripe Reads. So with Ripe Reads, uh, now what most of people do is they collect all feeds from Ripe Reads, from yeah. all peers. 
but you can still uh, decide to omit some of this data from your analysis. And if you omit this data, you could achieve lower bias, carefully omitting data, not yeah. uh, randomly omitting data. You could achieve lower bias. And in, in fact, we have seen that you can um, bring, um, uh, yeah, you can decrease by 50% the bias in right okay. by this. I don't know how efficient it would be in terms of visibility, but in terms of bias, you can bring it down to 50%. Okay, so going bigger picture for a minute, what's the, what's the real goal of the research project here? So our main goal, our first goal, let's say not main goal, mm -hmm. our first goal was to bring awareness to the users of the platform because there is bias there and uh, we had some evidence in the experiments that I told you before yes. yeah, that yeah, yeah. this may affect our findings, our insights that we get from the measurements. So we would like all people who use these platforms to be aware of this. And it's not that all of them are aware of this. Some expert people may be aware of this, mm -hmm. but they may not be aware of all the details. And okay. there are some other users that uh, are not aware of them. So for example, when we were analyzing uh, biases, we had some preliminary results and then Emil could interpret them because Emil, he's an expert, sure. say, okay, this, uh, this seems rational. Yeah, I already knew it, etc." So, for example, me, I have less experience than Emil in research. I knew, let's say, half of them. And I suspect some people knew even less than me. And, uh, yeah, but having a clear view, it's really useful for all of them. I don't know how exactly each user will use this information because in some use cases, you may not be affected by bias. But okay. uh, just having informed people, mm -hmm. I think that's um, a good step forward towards um, a better interpretation of the measurement data. And then as a second step, based exactly on this calculation about bias we have mm -hmm. done, then all these calculations and this framework uh, we have built, uh, this enables uh, to carefully select probes, suggest new location for IPRIS peers, etc. So yeah. that, that's the next step. Okay, so taking a step back for a minute, you touched on a few varieties of bias here, and you mentioned quite a few more in the paper. As you've delved into this, have you uncovered unexpected dimensions of bias that are relevant to these measurement infrastructures? So we started with some um, cases that are relatively well known. So that's the location bias for uh, RIPE Atlas and RIPE RIS. It's um, the connectivity bias where because route collectors are connected to IXPs through IXPs to networks yes. where people tend to peer more intensively than in other places. Okay. So these were some, um, let's say, categories of dimensions that mm -hmm. we start looking in. Then we had in the team Emil, who is yeah. the expert, and he brought a lot uh, more ideas about okay. what other dimensions we could look at. But apart from these initial thoughts we had and uh, our selection, you need to have data also to calculate bias. So our first selection of uh, bias dimensions were for sure uh, about the well-known things we thought would be useful for someone to know. But then we tried to find out uh, public data that could help us calculate um, the dimension. So nice. if we have a, a public data for location, we can calculate the mm -hmm. bias score for location. If we don't have public data for, uh, I don't know, maybe another characteristic of um, a network, we cannot calculate it. But there may be some dimensions that we have not included in our uh, research that are useful mm -hmm. for uh, people to know. 
And if we don't have data, we may still be able to acquire this data, but we need to collect this data and or maybe we may need to do some measurements in order to get this data. It would be harder, let's say, but um, uh, yeah, the, that's one of the, the next steps that need to be done. Because okay. what we think about it, our research is uh, it's far from being complete or conclusive. We, we believe that it's just the beginning. There are many, many more things to be done. Mm -hmm. We can add more dimensions. We can refine these dimensions. We may improve the data based on which we calculate the bias scores. We may find out which dimensions are more useful for network operators or for some measurement use cases. There are many aspects that need to be looked at. And of the forms of bias that you've been investigating, are there some that are more problematic than others or is that just relative to the platform? It's relative to the platform, but it's also really relative to the use case you have. And uh, because, you know, there are um, many, many use cases, we could not analyze each and every of them. We okay. should prioritize with some um, most important or more frequent use cases. So to, to this end, we did a questionnaire, a survey that mm -hmm. we uh, distributed through mailing lists on network operators. They have okay. already uh, given us some feedback about important use cases and how they use the measurement platforms. Yeah. And uh, this could help us do at least an initial analysis of how the different dimensions of bias may affect a use case. Yeah. Because not all dimensions are equally, maybe equally important. Okay. But we still don't have the answers for this. Asking this is really important. And uh, I like you, you ask this because that's exactly what we want as a feedback from the community, from the guys who run networks. We want from them to, to tell us if they have, um, may, maybe to drop us some hints about uh, what they would like to be seen or yeah. some use cases or if they feel that there is bias in something, we, we could look at with this. And uh, I think, um, uh, I believe, and, and also the other guys in the project believe that uh, uh, this would be the most important, let's say, outcome of our research, something like a tool or some guidelines or a report or a visualization or whatever mm -hmm. that could be actually be used by people and be useful to people. That's, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, that's our primary goal. What's your general view at, the, uh, at this point of how much of a problem bias is in general? Do, is it, if once we really start digging into this, are we going to have to go back and start reassessing things? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Is that? Does that seem to be the case? So there may be some people that take already know about the biases mm -hmm. and they fine-tune their measurements in their own ways in order to try to avoid them. Uh, so we could learn a lot from these people yes. and take a input. And there may be some other guys that uh, do their measurements without knowing that there is bias and have uh, overlooked some aspects. And uh, in fact, we could reevaluate some of uh, yeah, quite uh, known or reported measurement yeah. uh, campaigns mm -hmm. and see if there was bias and uh, maybe we can redo them with uh, maybe a low bias set of probes or something like this mm -hmm. and find out if there are any actual differences or any important differences between these measurement data and the new measurement data with low bias. So obviously uh, you presented 
on this the other day, uh, RIPE 84, um, and I think the reception of the whole project in the room was very good, right? Uh, and then I've been talking to people about it after, and I think they're really happy. A lot of people are very happy that somebody is rolling the sleeves up and going to work on this um, because it's been in the back of people's minds for a long time. But then there was a question that came up from one of the attendees um, about how how deep this goes. Um, and even beyond the measurement platforms themselves, some of the other data sources that, that you might be looking at through the course of this project may have biases in them that are going to affect your analysis, like the peering data, for example, uh, peering DB, I think yeah, it was peering that DB. you mentioned. Yeah. How much of a problem is that? Like, how, do you foresee any massive issues there? Uh, yeah, that uh, that can be a really big problem. So if you calculate something based on data, and yeah. we calculate the bias score based on some data, and the data you have is wrong, this may affect your calculations. For example, in, for peering DB, we have information for only one uh, for only twenty five percent of the networks in the world. Right. Okay. So okay. we cannot calculate it, but. We also have information, uh, other types of information for all networks. So, for example, the number of uh, neighbors, number of peer peerings they have. But we know this data from the measurements of RIPE trees, route views, right. and RIPE atlas. So, there might be some bias there because yes. we calculate this data from a biased platform. Then, <laughs> then. I can't really tell how okay. much they okay. affect these results. I think there are. Uh, I could uh, come up with some methodologies to try to quantify how much they affect our results, and I yeah. think that's really interesting. Yeah, I think the one thing that seems quite clear is that there's a lot of work in front of you uh, in this project. Um, there are currently three of you working together on this, right? Yeah, and there are also some uh, members of my of the of the research lab that I'm working in. There are some students that have put some work, and uh, we are currently working also with some students. Great. Okay. And and does the project have a, um, have you got a particular lifespan in mind at the moment? So definitely, we have a, a lifespan. This is a project funded by. Uh, RASI, the academic part of RIPE NCC, and thank RIPE yeah. NCC out of this. So this project ends on September, and some of the results uh, will probably be presented on the next RIPE meeting. Excellent. But uh, because, as I told you before, I find this um, research um, topic really interesting. Yeah. And there are many, many things to be investigated. Yeah, I'm planning to keep on working on this. And in fact, I would like to, because there are many things that we could not do all of things yeah. uh, by ourselves, I would like to invite anyone who's interested, either from uh, academia or from industry, to, to collaborate on this. I mean, we are mm -hmm. open to collaborations and we would be happy to, yeah to have some other people helping us. Excellent. Pavlos, this has been a really interesting conversation. Uh, but before we finish, is there anything else you would like to say to the audience? A an important thing for me is that um, not only to do the research and understand bias and uh, uh, properly calculate this, but uh, to, make, uh, to communicate this research to the people who actually are basing their businesses on these measurements. Right. And uh, that's also a tricky part and that's uh, also an important thing to do. How, how to, uh, to communicate it? Sh should I write an article? Would, would this be enough? 
some people like the presentation, but uh, would they look again in this data? Should I build a tool? And uh, that's also something that we would like to hear and get feedback from people that are actually using this platform. Okay, well, thank you very much for talking to me. I would like to thank you, yeah. <laughs> that was episode five of the Ripe Labs podcast. I'd like to thank Pavlos once again for taking time out of a busy Ripe meeting schedule to talk to us. As usual, you can find links to many of the topics we discussed in the show notes below. Join us again next time when I'll be talking to Kieran McCarthy and Chris Buckridge about revitalizing internet governance. <laughs> <laughs>